Good day and welcome to the United for the Messiah podcast. My name is Edward Davies and today we will go through a Bible study in the book of Proverbs chapter 4. Before we start, let's open in a prayer. Almighty God and our Heavenly Father, as I, a fallible man, will attempt to teach from your wisdom you imparted to us in Scripture, please guide my words and thoughts and remove any distractions. I ask that you open the hearts and minds of everyone listening to this podcast. We love you and we thank you for doing this, Jesus. Amen. So today, as I said, we're in chapter 4 of Proverbs. And Solomon, in 27 verses, deals with mainly two themes. The number one theme is the love and pursuit of wisdom. And the second theme is protecting your heart from the path of the wicked. So let's get into the first theme, the love and the pursuit of wisdom. Let's read together Proverbs 4, verse 1 to 2. Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. So Solomon was a king of Israel. In 1 Kings 10, verse 23, it says that he... King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom and in 2 Chronicles 9 verse 23 it says that all the kings of the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom which God had put in his heart but even though kings from all over the earth came to seek Solomon's wisdom Solomon made sure he imparted wisdom to his children first in the first couple of chapters of the book of Proverbs you can see that he is continuously addressing the Proverbs to his children. It says, Hear my son, or hear my children. In this there is a lesson for all Christian parents. It doesn't matter how important we may or may not be in society. We need to raise our children in the wisdom of God. Paul in the letter to the Ephesians writes in chapter 6 verse 4, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Our home should be where we set the foundation for our children's education. And unfortunately in today's uh, world, with the school's curriculum becoming more and more shaped by cultural relativism, we have to set a strong foundation in order for our kids not to lose faith in Jesus and the Word of God. The world sees the wisdom of God as foolishness. Therefore the responsibility lies primarily with us. It has to start in our homes with our children. We cannot leave this task up to the world. So where do we find the wisdom of God, the doctrine of God and the laws of God? Of course, it's the Bible. We should raise our children and bring them up in the word of God from a very early age. A Christian commentator by the name of Morgan wrote the following. Those who receive from their parents direction in the fear of Jehovah have that for which to be perpetually thankful. They can never escape its power. It may be that they will ultimately reject its appeal, but the fact that they have received it will create for them a way of escape from evil through all life's pilgrimage. So what Morgan is really saying is that even though they may reject the teaching, you as a parent have sowed the seeds. If that person, if that child is ever at a bad place in their life, they have been exposed to the truth and they may choose to turn to God in any time. Now let's continue to Proverbs 4 verse 3 to 9. When I was my father's son, tender 
and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, Let your heart retain my words. Keep my commands and live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget, nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will preserve you. Love her, and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get wisdom, and in all your getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you. So that's a couple of verses, and we'll break it down section by section. Let's first look at the first section. When I was my father's son, so Solomon's father, of course, as we know, was King David. Tender, and the only one in the sight of my mother. In the original King James Version it reads, The only beloved in the sight of my mother. So Solomon's mother was, was Bathsheba. She had other children, so this verse could mean one of two things. Either she saw Solomon as a special son, as he was the one that was chosen to be the heir of the throne of Israel, or it could simply mean that at that stage he was their only son. Remember David and Bathsheba's firstborn died even before he could be circumcised. This could merely mean that he was still very young. The word translated as tender in the New King James Version can also be translated as weak. And this makes sense to me as it would then imply that his father taught him from a very young age as we see as we go on to read verse 4. He also taught me and said to me, so now the words that will follow up to verse 9 will be the words and wisdom that David imparted to his son Solomon. Let your heart retain my words, keep my commands and live. Now David could say this because the commands he gave Solomon were based on God's truth. By being obedient to God's word and will for our lives, we have a spiritual life that is alive and as we will see later on in the study, that beside the spiritual benefits, there are physical benefits as well that results from obedience to God's will. Get wisdom, get understanding. The word get here in Hebrew terms carries the idea of a commercial transaction. So in a sense it means go buy wisdom. But you obviously cannot buy wisdom with money. We know that. The general idea is that wisdom will cost you something. You have to work for it. You have to go through the ups and downs of life to gain it. It's something that carries value and is not easily obtained. With regards to this exhortation, David Guzik raises an interesting point. He remarks that before David actually gave Solomon the words of wisdom, he first encouraged him to pursue wisdom. So in there, there's a lesson for us as well. Do not forget, nor turn away from the words of my mouth. In short, what he is saying is that when he obtains the wisdom, he should hold on to it. He should never forget it. And how wise are these words? I mean, Solomon, the scripture says, was the wisest man to ever live. To ever live. Yet later on in his life, he still went on to do many things contrary to the wisdom he was given by God. And it's a tragedy that he did forget and he did depart from this wisdom in the latter part of his life. Now from verses 6 to 9, David starts referring to wisdom in a feminine sense. Another commentator by the name of Ross explains it in the following way. 
he says that the teacher uses feminine verbs to, prom to promise protection and safety. Here we find wisdom personified as a woman, at first reading like a bride that is to be loved and embraced, but also having the qualities of an influential patron who can protect. I see it the same way as when people speak of ships or cars, you know, in a feminine sense. Um, they, they name a ship or a car or another object um, the name of a, of a female. It's normally a term of endearment. It's something you put a value to. And, and that's how I see that. Do not forsake her, and she will preserve you. Love her, and she will keep you. So David is telling Solomon that if he remained true to this pursuit of wisdom, that she, and the she is referring to here is wisdom, that she will preserve him. He is implying the opposite as well. If he does forsake his pursuit of wisdom, it will potentially ruin him, which it did later in Solomon's life. Wisdom is the principal thing. And here David is saying that wisdom should be the primary objective in Solomon's life. As opposed to the love of material things, we read in 1 Timothy 6 verse 10, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And it goes on in verse uh, 11. But you, O man of God, flee these things, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. As men and women of, of God, men and women who love God, we should place the pursuit of godly wisdom as our principal theme in our life. It should be the most important thing in our life that we pursue. Therefore get wisdom, and in all your getting, get understanding. So for me the best commentary on this verse is this verse's translation in the New International Version of the Bible. It reads as follows in the New International Version. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it cost you all you have, get understanding. So again here the idea of a commercial transaction and a cost accompanies the idea of obtaining wisdom. Exalt her and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you. David goes on to explain that the love and pursuit of wisdom will be rewarded. And this became true in the early period of Solomon's life. In 1 Kings 3 verse 7 to 12, we see how Solomon was rewarded for his pursuit of wisdom. And I'll read this section to you. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? So before we continue to verse 10, essentially Solomon is here asking for wisdom. In verse 10, the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked for long life for yourself, nor have asked for riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, 
I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. Now, let's read Proverbs 4, verse 10 to 13. Hear, my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom, I have led you in right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered, and when you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction, do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. Okay, so Solomon was telling his son or children what his father David taught him about wisdom. David's instruction ended in verse 9, and now in verse 10 Solomon continues. Solomon is re-emphasizing to his children what his father had told him. He is confirming that he personally taught them and have guided them. Then he goes on to encourage them. This section reminds me of the following two passages. It's got the same sort of flavor to it. A portion of Hebrews 12 verse 1 and 2 reads, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. And in 2 Timothy 4 verse 7, Paul tells Timothy, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. These two verses are an encouragement and Solomon is doing exactly the, the same to his, to his son. So just as Paul here is encouraging Timothy and just as Solomon is encouraging his children and his sons in specific here, just so we as Christians should keep our eyes on the prize and we should not take it off. Now here ends the section that deals with encouragement to love and to pursue wisdom. But before we go on to the next section, let's look at what wisdom is. You have probably heard this quote or seen it on a meme via Facebook or WhatsApp. But I think it explains it very simply and it's also funny. I, I quite like this one. A guy by the name of Miles Kington remarked, Knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. <laughs> and, and I think that's quite funny. And uh, But if we now look in the King James Version Dictionary, which essentially deals with the same thing, it says, and it defines wisdom as the right use or exercise of knowledge, the choice of laudable, and laudable is admirable or commendable, ends. And of the best means to accomplish them. This is wisdom in act, effect or practice. Therefore wisdom is the correct application of knowledge. But in today's world, it's probably more difficult than ever before to do this. We are bombarded with information from everywhere. We are constantly connected via the internet, our smartphones, via TV or radio. I mean we get information from everywhere. And we have more information at our fingertips today than ever before. But with that, however, comes a host of other issues with regards to quality of information. You get real news, we get biased news, we get fake news, then we get good research, we get poor research, and it goes on and on. So if wisdom is the correct application of knowledge, then we have to discern and distinguish between all the noise out of there which is really difficult. I, I will explain this, I will try and explain this with an illustration. My background is in electrical engineering 
and there's something in electronics called a signal to noise ratio what it is is it's quite simple it's just a comparison between the level of the signal you're interested in versus all the background noise you've got or all the undesirable noise or signals that you're not interested about so you want to reduce the background noise in order to get the best quality signal so what design engineers will do is that they will design a filter to lock onto the desired signal and filter out the undesirab undesired signals or noise so a radio works in a similar way it, it works in the principle of resonance uh, where it selects the desired radio frequency from among many other frequencies which are transmitted over the air I mean over the air you've got FM signals, you've got AM signals you've got um, satellite signals for your television reception and you've got uh, you've got cell phone signals um, and it goes on and on as well there's a variety of signals that's transmitted all the time now this is the same for us how do we distinguish and discern between all the knowledge out of there it's almost like all these signals going through the air and all the undesirable frequencies and, and noise that we've got in a in an electronic circuit how do we distinguish between all of this all of this knowledge if wisdom is application of knowledge and my opinion is that we have to apply a filter to our lives and what is that filter I believe it's the Word of God and if we use the metaphor of the filter the Bible or the Word of God is our filter the more we are in the Word of God the better our understanding and knowledge of the Bible will be and the more effective this filter will be to discern I think anyone that as as they walk closer to God and as they know more of scripture um, and as they study scripture more and more will know this um, instinctively you become better at discerning from the good and the bad so we have to be in the word every day and by the way who is called the word in John 1 John tells us that it is Jesus the way we as Christians acquire godly wisdom is by the study of God's word and viewing everything else in the light thereof if secular knowledge does not contradict but support God's word then it can be applied as wisdom but people usually and, and I'm speaking about non-believers particularly don't use the Bible to discern knowledge as wisdom they become like what Paul describes in Romans 1 verse 22 professing to be wise they became fools and we can see that today people hold on to theories such as evolution they don't even know how many genders there are anymore and they even go against the wisdom of Solomon regarding the disciplining of children um, here in South Africa now and I think this is this obviously happened in other countries before um, it happened here by us but even here in South Africa now um, where there's general generally a, a, a freedom of religion even here the Constitutional Court has ruled that it is now illegal to even spank your child I mean in a controlled and, and loving manner and this goes directly against <laughs> the wisdom of Solomon who we know we just saw from the passage God said he is the wisest person that will ever live before him and after him no one will be wiser than him um, of course Jesus was was wiser but he was God incarnate he was not from that line of Adam he, there was a break in that line um, the Holy Spirit itself um, 
caused Mary to become pregnant, and there was he was not the descendant of Adam, Jesus Christ. But let's get back. Just to reinforce this idea of the word of God being the filter for us to discern, listen what Paul wrote to, to the Ephesians about the armor of God. He says that we should take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, in Ephesians 6 verse 17. So he says, the sword of the Spirit equates to the word of God. And in Hebrews 4 verse 12 it is written, For the word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and, it is, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. These verses confirm the discerning power of the Word of God. So now we will get into the second theme, which is protecting your heart from the path of the wicked. We read in Proverbs 4 verse 14 to 15. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it, do not travel on it. Turn away from it, and pass on. Now, turn away from it and pass on. Here Solomon warns us not to even start on the path of the wicked. And I think most of us can attest to this from personal experience. That it is better to stay away from evil from the beginning, than to remedy a bad situation later on. Of course... Jesus can redeem us out of any situation. We know this. It doesn't matter how dire it may seem. Jesus will save us. However, the effects of the sin or the scars thereof will remain or may remain, whatever that is. And I heard a, a, or I read a story and, and I really cannot remember how I heard it or where I, I came about it. And I don't even know whether it's a true story or not. But I'll use it just for illustration purposes. And I think it illustrates it very well. But there was a father who would, every time his son was disobedient, he would take a knife and stab it into the kitchen table. And he would keep it there until the son came to apologize. As soon as his son apologized, he would then forget about it. His son, if his son then came and repented uh, and asked for forgiveness from his father, and he was really truly sorry about his mistake, um, the father then to signify that he has forgiven him and for forgotten, totally forgotten about the transgression is that the, fa the father would then remove the knife from the table and that's the same way with Jesus if we are in a bad situation and we turn to Jesus he is faithful and he will redeem us that's a promise and he gives, he gives that promise to us in his word he will cast our sin as far as the east is from the west and have you ever thought about that I mean, this is one of the most comforting things in Scripture for me. From the east is from as far as the east is from the west. If you travel north from here and you continue, and you put your compass, you, you set it north, and you continue north towards the North Pole, and you you reach a North Pole, uh, what would eventually happen if you continue in the same direction? You will be traveling south, right? So you can only only go north. To, to a specific point and then you will be uh, traveling south y you've reversed the poles or the, the, pol the there's a thing called ma magnetic polarity but if you travel east for instance and you continue eastward direction um, for as long as you can would you ever be traveling west except if you turn around no you will always be traveling east so it's this when Jesus says or when God says your sins are forgiven um, and he has casted as far as the east is from the west 
it's infinite. If it was north to south, we've got a problem, because he can still ren. I mean, God can in um, he still remembers it, but he actually casts it infinitely far from each other, and and that's in itself a blessing, and thank God for that. However, just as with the knife in the table, the knife may be removed, but the marks on the table will remain. And those damages remain. So we, we may be redeemed by Christ, but the marks or the scars of our sins may remain. And I suppose no one knew this better than David and Solomon, who both strayed at some point in their lives, and, and who both bore the marks and the scars thereof. Now getting back to verse 15, he also says, Avoid it and turn away from the path of the wickedness. So here the warning is that every step you take deeper into the path of wickedness makes it so much more difficult to turn away from it. We as Christians who, are, who know that we are sinners, we know this. It's sometimes difficult to depart from our sinful ways. It's only by the grace of God that we get bolder the more mature we become in spirit. Now let's continue in Proverbs 4 verse 16 to 17. For they do not sleep unless they, unless they have done evil, and their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. Now, for they do not sleep unless they have done evil. They do not sleep because of their intense desire to do evil. They are continuously devising evil plans. And you can liken this to like when you lie away awake at in bed at night thinking about something you are really excited about I, I'm sure everyone can relate to this at some stage in their lives where they've had a passion or a zeal for something or where they were excited about something and you you cannot sleep you're so excited about it and that in itself is not a bad thing but if this zeal is for wickedness then the verse goes on to say that their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall this this means that they are so driven by their intense desire to do evil to such a degree that they cannot rest easily until they have made someone fall. Or in other words, until they have convinced someone to partake in the same sort of sin that they are partaking in or, or doing the same thing they are doing. I don't think it's because they are doing these things willingly or, or, or even knowingly. Um, I just think it's f for sinners or f when you are doing wickedness and evil, it 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 is natural. Um, I mean, some of us can attest to it when we were um, not yet saved. Um, I mean, hopefully, and I know I may have led a lot of people astray before I was saved, and I ask God's forgiveness for it, and I hope God can use me um, to you know reach them in some sort of way again, and perhaps if I've done damage to undo it, but. Um, but yes, we do it unknowingly. We are blind before we are saved. Now let's continue. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. So this refers to how they earn their living. They eat their bread or their food uh, by wickedness. And sorry, they earn their bread by wickedness and they attain their wine by violence. Their means of living or their income is obtained by unlawful deeds. The way in which they go about to earn their money um, is done either not scripturally, so it may be 
acceptable in the eyes of the world, but what's acceptable in the eyes of the world <laughs> is not God's standard. Um, but at some some stages, it's not even accepted in the eyes of the world either. So in Proverbs 4 verse 18 to 19, we continue. But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes him stumble. So the Hebrew word that they translated as sun in the New King James Version was translated as light in the original King James Version. And who is known as the light? In John 8 verse 12 it says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And in John 3 verse 19 it says, And this is a condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. So that's correct. Jesus is the light. In John 8 verse 12, he himself, Jesus himself uttered those words. And in John 3 verse 19, uh, John was, uh, was saying this about Jesus. These words he was speaking about Jesus. Men loved darkness rather than light. Now if you look at this, the, f the two verses, verses 18 and 19 of, uh, of chapter 4 of Proverbs, we see that Solomon uses figurative language to eloquently explain the difference between the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. The illustration he is using is the, is the normal course of a day. It starts out dark and then there is a glimmer of light as the sun starts to rise. Then the, sun's the sun becomes brighter and everything becomes clearer the higher the sun rises. Everything becomes illuminated. It is the same way with our spiritual growth and our relationship with God. The better we know God through the study of His Word and a personal relationship with Him, the clearer His will for our lives become. However, when it becomes dark at night and there is no light to illuminate a person's path, you don't know where you're heading and you can easily stumble or fall over something without even knowing what made you fall. And you may know this as well. I mean, if you think about if you go camp in the woods or if you go camp in, in a bushveld in South Africa and uh, there's no lights around you, and you've got no uh, torch with you or no candle or nothing with that of that sort. I mean, it's so dark you can't even see in front of you. And if you fall and stumble, you won't even, sometimes you won't even know what you're falling over. It's the same thing um, for the wicked who are removed from God's light in the world. They have no direction in life and they are wandering around hopelessly. They have no idea what makes them stumble in their lives. Um, they, are com they are spiritually completely blind. And... I mean, there's a lot of things that, that they go through. There's things such as depression. Um, there's things such as, um, you know, th there's bad things that happen in their lives and they really do not know why, th why these things are happening. And, um, and we need to pray for these people continuously because we were there as well. So now, you will notice that when we read through verses 20 to 27, the last couple of verses for today, Solomon mentions different parts of the body. He's going to mention the eyes, feet, heart, ear, flesh, mouth, lips and eyelids. Notice that it alludes to how we can dedicate each part of our bodies to wisdom and for God's glory. In Romans 6 verse 13 it says that we are to present ourselves to God as being alive from the dead. And our members or our different body parts or limbs as instruments of righteousness to God. Now let's get into the last eight verses. 
In Proverbs 4 verse 20 to 22, it reads, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Now when he says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. He is really calling for his son's attention to just actively listen to the wisdom he's imparting to him. I don't think there's any other meaning to that. That is the, as you read it, and normally the simple reading of scripture is the <laughs> is the correct reading of scripture uh, without insinuating any other meaning to it. However, some truths are just, and as we go through these verses, verse by verse, you see that some truths are just so rich that you can then get cross-references and, and we can explain them better. Now he goes on to say, Do not let, let them depart from your eyes, keep them in the midst of your heart. So Solomon here is telling his son to continuously study these sayings of wisdom. He should never stop. And this applies to us as well. We should continuously read and study God's word in order to gain a better understanding of it and to never forget it. However, we should not only study it from an intellectual or academic point of view. We need to take it to heart and apply it to our lives. It will only change us when we take it to heart. In Luke 6 verse 45 it says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. And this last part of the verse in Afrikaans is, Wat die hart van volles loopt die mond van oor. And the use of the Afrikaans language here makes it so vivid. Um, and I'm, I'm sure in, in, the, in the original Hebrew it's, it's also that vivid. If you place your wisdom as a principal thing in your life, then what you speak will be words of wisdom. However, if something else is the focus of a person's life, it will manifest itself through the words of that person. And you can easily see that when you speak to someone in, in life in general. You can see what that pa person is passionate about and what that person is dedicated to just by speaking to them for a while. It, it will come out by their words. Okay, so for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Life here refers to spiritual and physical life. As a recap to announce this point, in the book of Proverbs thus far, here are some of the warnings which potential outcomes are detrimental to our physical and spiritual lives. And I'm only going to do from Proverbs 1 to 3 because there's 27 more chapters after this um, after this chapter tonight. In Proverbs 1 verse 8 to 19, there's a warning against joining violent men to rob people. It says that it will bring about their death for those participating in it. In Proverbs 1 verse 24 to 28, it says, if you, if you keep refusing to take wisdom to heart, it will one day catch up to you and calamity and terror will come upon you. In Proverbs 1 verse 32, it, it, uh, um, it warns us to not turn away from wisdom because it will destroy us if we do. In Proverbs 2 verse 18 it says, Those who go to an adulteress's house go to the house that leads down the path of death. And in Proverbs 3 verse 33 it says, The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked. In Proverbs 3 verse 34 it says, God scorns the scornful. And in Proverbs 3 verse 35 it says, Shame shall be the legacy of fools. And as I said, this is only up to chapter 4. There are 27 more chapters to go after this. So there's definitely 
if we don't follow these words of wisdom and these words essentially are the words of God then there are negative um, influences for us spir uh, spiritually and physically if you look at everything the Bible promotes it's good and wholesome if people live by these standards there's absolutely no harm in it and it actually shields us from negative consequences or it promotes a good and healthy balanced lifestyle on the other hand we see when people choose to do things that are warned against or prohibited in scripture they are negatively affected by it and there are negative consequences sometimes and even though it's not immediately thought about or not immediately visible so just as a last Bible passage on this subject, before we continue, let's look at 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9 to 10. Do you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Okay, so now before we continue, I know that Paul is warning people who habitually practice and promotes these sins about going to hell. But let's just think about all the negative outcomes that is possible by engaging in these sins. Only these sins that's mentioned here. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, now stop there, fornicators are unmarried people who engage in sexual acts. So what's the risk there you would think? Obviously there's STDs, um, single parents because of that, and there's even abortions that is as a result of that. Now let's continue. No idolaters. So idolaters are people who become zealous at something else other than God. It's something that will never be able to satisfy them. Um, people's careers can be a good example. People make the careers they got in their life. Then they neglect their families and it's a it has a negative effect on their kids and so on. It says no adulterers. I mean adulterers breaks up families. goes on. No homosexuals, no sodomites. And here the words for homosexuals and sodomites means people who submit to homosexuality as well as homosexuals. Um, there's a distinction which I have not gone into and I'm not really at this stage <laughs> um, too worried about it because it, it doesn't really concern me but I researched this because I didn't know the exact numbers but listen to this I've heard this before I've heard stats but I've never researched for myself so I, I, did, I did due diligence so a stat only on this fact is a, a study in Denmark which consisted of a sample population of 8,333 people done by Morten Frisch and Henrik Brunham Hansen, showed from empirical data that heterosexuals, on average, lived longer than homosexuals. And here's an excerpt of that study. It says, despite the dramatic reductions in age-associated mortality over the past decade, our study shows that same-sex marrying Danish men and women have overall mortality rates that are currently 33 to 34% higher than those of the general population. And I am sure this is not different anywhere else because God's word warns us against these things. It would have been interesting to get stats on all of these uh, uh, things in, in this small passage, but that will be a Bible study in its own and in itself. And I just wanted to highlight this, this one point. I mean, you can go and do research for yourself on other points. And I mean, we know all the other things. Let's continue in verse 10. No thieves, no covetous, no drunkards. And we know how people's lives are ruined by alcohol abuse. Another stat. We can go and research this and we know the stats here. No revilers, no extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now compare this with the teachings of Jesus for a wholesome and godly life. Then you will realize that God gave us specific commandments and warnings in scripture to protect and sustain us. And after all, 
it's not surprising because God knows what's what's bad for us. He created us. So in Proverbs 4 verse 23 we continue. Keep your heart with all diligence for out it springs the issues of life. So in verse 21 which we just finished dealing with we see that wisdom is kept in our hearts. Now here in verse 23 when he says keep your heart with all diligence it refers to guarding your heart against wickedness. In a sense your heart should be a place to store wisdom but wickedness and evil corrupts it. We should dedicate our hearts to godly wisdom. The Bible warns us of different states of the heart, which has a corrupting effect upon it. It warns us against a double heart. In Psalm 12 verse 2 it says, They speak idly everyone with his neighbor, with flattering lips and a double heart they speak. It warns us against a hard heart. In Proverbs 28 verse 14 it says, Happy is the man who is always reverent. And the word reverent means a respectful fear for the Lord. But he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. It warns us against a proud heart in Proverbs 21 verse 4. A haughty look, a proud heart, and the plowing of the wicked are sin. It warns us against an unbelieving heart in Hebrews 3 verse 12. It says, Beware, brethren, lest there be an, in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. It warns against a cold heart. In Matthew 24 verse 12 it says, And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. It warns us against an unclean heart. In Psalm 51 verse 10 it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. In essence, the heart is the fountain or source of life in terms of joy and peace. Physically our hearts pump blood to our entire body. If there's a problem with our physical heart, it affects our body negatively. Spiritually, our hearts affect our entire being. If there's a problem with our spiritual hearts, such as the problems we went through just now, the double heart, the hard heart, etc., then it affects our spiritual existence. In the most direct and immediate sense, if the fountain or the source is polluted, it will poison us spiritually. Ultimately, the only one who can change your heart is God Himself. In Ezekiel 11 verse 19, God says, Then I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within them, and take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. The only way to obtain a new heart spiritually is by salvation of Jesus Christ or through Jesus Christ. And how do we obtain this saving faith? In Romans 10 verse 17 it tells us that faith comes by hearing and the hearing by the word of God. So once again, even with the renewing and guarding of our hearts, it, one, it once again points to the word of God and ultimately the word is Jesus. Chuck Missler, one of my favorite uh, Bible teachers, and I've listened to probably not all of them, but probably most of his studies um, that's online that I can find. Um, he always used to say that, obviously in the New Testament it's very easy, you can find, you do find Jesus on every page. But he said that you can find Jesus on every page, even in the Old Testament, and I fully believe this. And as we go only through this chapter, you can see that it keeps on pointing back to the Word of God, keeps on pointing back to Jesus. Now Proverbs 4 verse 24 to 27, it says, Put away from you a deceitful mouth, and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead, and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet, and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left, 
Remove your foot from evil. So, put away from you deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Solomon is now giving his son advice to stay on the path of righteousness. He is saying that he should watch his tongue. Just as Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no, no. James also mentioned this in his epistle. When you don't speak in a perverse way or a way to deceive. I mean, if, you don't have a, if, you, if you're at work and you don't have a foul mouth and you don't, you're not telling dirty jokes, I mean, it goes a long way in staying away from wicked. I mean, people are drawn to people by what they say. And if you don't speak in a, a way to conform with other people, then it goes a long way to keep you from evil. Let your eyes look straight ahead, and your eyelids look right before you. And this makes me think of blinkers on a horse. You know, blinkers on a horse keep them from being distracted or startled, and it keeps them going in one direction, the direction they intended to go. It's the same sort of admonition here. We should keep our eyes fixed on the pursuit of wisdom, and in other words, we should keep our eyes fixed on God, and we should not be distracted or startled by the storms in our lives. Ponder the path of your feet, and let all your ways be established. Consider the direction of your life in, li in the light of God's word. Make sure that the direction of your life is going, that your life is going in, is in accordance to God's preordained will for your life. We always need to test where we are in life with the, God, with the will of God. So do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. In Proverbs 3 verse 6 Solomon says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. We have a tendency to panic when things go wrong. And I mean, I'm chief among them. I, I, I do this as well. When we experience trials and tribulations in our lives, um, more often than not, <laughs> we try to resolve the, these problems ourselves. As, as I mentioned before, I think, my upbringing was in Afrikaans, in Afrikaans family. I had a, a Afrikaans mom and an English dad. Oh, well, I still have an <laughs> Afrikaans mom and an English dad. And there's a saying in Afrikaans, and this saying is, a boer maak a plan. Now, if you're not Afrikaans, you don't understand Afrikaans, it just ma it means that basically Afrikaner makes a plan you know y you will make a plan if there's a problem um, and it usually is that way well the problem is that sometimes when we make a plan and this goes for everyone it's not in accordance and uh, it's not in accordance to God's will for our lives sometimes when we make a plan and we then end up turning to the left or to the right from the path God intended for us and we should try and exercise patience here as it also says in God's will so that brings us to the end of chapter 4 of Proverbs. Just on the ending note, amongst the many truths in this chapter, I think the two key takeouts are these. Number one, we should teach and instruct our children in God's word. Even if they choose to go their own way, God's word will not return void. We see this in Isaiah 55 verse 11. That's a promise. We must just keep on sowing those seeds. And it's the same for everyone else. When, when we meet other people as well, just keep on sowing those seeds. Our lives, the second uh, truth is our lives should be dedicated to seeking and keeping God's wisdom. Because His word is the filter we need to discern, to discern between right and wrong. To discern between what's good for us and what will bring us harm. So that's it for the week. And just let's just close in a word of prayer. Almighty God and our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we could once again do a Bible study of your word. 
without any fear of people persecuting us. I know in many parts of the world, um, the Word of God and even doing Bible studies are not permitted. And I pray that this Bible study perhaps could reach parts of the world where people cannot physically meet and where resources are that's used for the proc- proclamation of your word and for the sharing of your word is, is banned. I hope that this can at, at least reach someone um, that does not have access in any other way. We thank you for this privilege in our country and in many other countries uh, that we can study your word freely and meet freely. Lord, help us by your Holy Spirit to always love and to pursue godly wisdom. We know that you have given us your will and words through scripture contained in the Bible. Please guide us to diligently study your word and that your Holy Spirit will illuminate it for us so that we will be able to apply it to our everyday lives. Also, please guide us to raise our children in wisdom, in your wisdom, Father, not any wisdom, in your wisdom. And we thank you for being a God of wisdom and for giving us the Holy Spirit to guide us, the same Spirit that the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that was in Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the United for the Messiah podcast. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to our channel. Uh, you will get regular updates uh, automatically. And you can join us or you subscribe to us either on uh, Podpoint or on iTunes. God bless. And... Until next time.